I'd love to welcome you all to our services this morning and, and pray that you are worshiping God in spirit and in truth and enjoying the fact that we are blessed, very fortunate, having the freedom to do just that. This morning's going to be a little different um, in that part of the sermon that I have is going to also include a short three-minute video. So there's going to be some audio and video, and I'm not, the audio is not very, very good, but the content is. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about it at the, at the very end of the sermon this morning, but I'll share that with you in light of our subject matter. But before I even get to that, I wrote, I'm reminded that next week the Hayes group are going to meet at the Davises at 5.30 on Sunday. So those of you who are in Ben and Laura's uh, group, as far as when we all meet, we're going to meet 5.30 at the Davis family. So, um, Grayson just read of one of those amazing passages. And I cannot stress enough when you read it, read it with the intention that was given. It's, it's like a climax to the story, even though we're not yet there. We're at the, at the pinnacle, if you will, this triumphant entry. And it's a picture of good news. Because Jesus is going to do that which seemingly brings defeat to the people of God. And yet, that's exactly what God had intended to bring about the highest glory that he could receive. And we're on the heels of that. I'm going to ask you a question that I want you to be able to answer. Because we want to have an answer for those who are looking for us and asking us, why is it that you have this hope? And if they look at you and, and you're, they're wondering, do you even have hope? Then you need to rethink the question that I'm going to ask you. Because you should be fully assured of the hope that has been promised you in Jesus Christ. If you're a child of God, it should be something that bursts forth from you. It should not be something that you are not going to be ashamed of. Something that you cannot shout from the rooftop but something that you would exclaim so easily. And so I want you to ask that question of yourself as we go through this lesson. And we're actually starting off with that question. How good is the good news? How good is the gospel? Well, I've just written down just a few things from Luke chapter 7 and then even more beyond Luke chapter 7, but gives this picture of how good the good news is. In Luke chapter 7, it's almost on the front end of this book cover, if you will, the back end being Matthew 21 that we just read. But in Luke chapter 7, in verse 18, it says that the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. And John, calling two of his disciples, sent to him, said to him, uh, sent them, excuse me, to Jesus, saying, are you the coming one? Or do we look for another? Well, when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, are you the coming one? Or is there another? That very hour, he, that is Jesus, cured many of the infirmities, afflictions, evil spirits, and to many blind, he gave sight. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised. The poor have the gospel preached to them. That's how good the good news is. You know, who are we seeking? We're seeking the Messiah. Are you the Messiah? And his answer is, yes, I am. He doesn't say it that way, does he? 
he says to them, just as was prophesied that you can read of in the Old Testament scriptures, whether it's in Isaiah or in other um, Old Testament passages regarding the Messiah, that the deaf would hear, the blind would see, the mute would speak, the persecuted would be comforted and con consoled, the poor would be enriched or inherit and go on and on with the various contracts. And just as we have been studying in our auditorium class that Ben led us in this morning in Exodus, that there are shadows and there's a foretaste, that's exactly what we're seeing here. You're seeing Jesus physically take individuals who are blind and making them see as a foretaste of true sight. Those who were deaf to have their ears open for something more glorious that they could hear. For those who could not speak so that they could shout the proclamation of God. That's what we're looking at. That's the good news. Now, imagine if today, what is today? January 18, 2015, we have everyone who's blind in Franklin. And everyone who is deaf in Franklin. And those who are in hospital beds, they're maimed. They're infirmed. And all of a sudden, all of them are healed instantly. Do you suppose we might just be able to hear some sounds of cries of joy outside these walls this morning? You better believe it. I mean, just the very contrast of the firstborn dying in Egypt where that brought cries of sorrow and pain and agony, if all on the same day here in just Franklin would have these things happen, all these things that all of a sudden you go from having this huge debt to being debt-free, to being from going from a slave to being free man. And just all the things that you look throughout history that people have been downtrodden about and all comes out. It's good news. Everyone would be dancing in the streets. I mean, that's what you would see. They'd be singing. And they'd be letting everyone know, listen, today I was deaf. I can hear now. I couldn't speak, but I can now. I couldn't see, but I can and so you would just hear all, pretty soon Nashville starts coming down to Franklin, Williamson County, start interviewing everybody because it's going to make the 6 o'clock news tonight. And all the church bulletins and, and all the newspaper articles and all Facebook, once it's right, Facebook worthy, it makes it all across and everything goes viral. That's how good the good news is. That's the beginning of Jesus' ministry when he heals those that need to be made well. And when we look further with regard to the good news, there are some aspects of it in this short lesson that we're looking at that shows us how good the gospel is. I want you to think about the kings of the earth, and I put it in an article this morning in the bulletin, that if you look at all the kingdoms of earth's history, and I don't know, I never took the time to research, I don't know if you can even find out I heard there was like so many 40-something thousand wars in world history. I don't know how you come up with that kind of number. But I can imagine if you've got that many wars, how many kings have lived, whether in the, the um, city states, if you will, the city countries where you have a king for each and every village, if you will. Or in Hawaii, every island has its own, its own king. And imagine how these kings, these princes, these rulers ruled. I can't imagine but very few of them being the kind of king that you would say, wow, 
What a great king. <laughs> Most of them, to protect their self-interest, would rule by fear. Rule by slavery. And that's very common in scripture that we can read of. And that's how their kingdoms would grow. They would conquer more and more individuals. And they would have, again, a larger kingdom with, with more of the monies going to the coffers of the king and, and his personal interests. But you contrasted Jesus Christ. And what does Jesus do? And we see a very different king. I want you to look at Romans chapter 8. How beautiful the passage in the text in Romans, as well as the rest of the New Testament scriptures, showing his kingdom and his kingship, if you will. And it's a beautiful thing. Romans chapter 8 says in verse 3, For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. This is the only kingdom in which you take your enemies and your enemies themselves are slaves and you free them. You're freeing your enemy of their bondage. Did you ever think about the gospel in that light? That if, if I have an enemy, and my enemy, oh, I don't know what my enemy's name is, Phil. <laughs> I don't know why it came up, Phil. <laughs> and, and you take your enemy, and you free him from his bondage. What kind of king does that? What kind of king... As we can read in Romans chapter 5 verse 10, takes your enemy and calls your enemy into your kingdom. That while you were enemies, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for those who are the opposite of God, the enemies of God. What kind of king does that? What kind of king, as you can read in, in chapter 4 verse 11 of Ephesians, okay, I, th I thought I put Ephesians on there, takes your enemies that you have freed from their bondage brings them into your kingdom and to top it off gives your new citizens gifts I mean you might wonder what kind of kingdom is that it's the kingdom of good news you see Jesus is unlike any king this world has ever known no king can compare to this. There is no comparison whatsoever. I mean, you might have kings that might give some things, but they want it because they have self-interest. They might give you some things that make you think, wow, this is a great ruler that we have. He just wants you for his own personal gain. Jesus, on the other hand, is completely selfless. He may want you, and he may want your loyalty, but as far as he doesn't want you to give, give him money. I mean, when we give to the Lord, is it because he's wanting your money? He doesn't need it. He wants us to use it so that other souls can be saved. So that other enemies can be brought into the kingdom. He wants it so that the body of those who have been saved from their sins can be built up in the work and service that brings glory and joy to our Father in heaven. That's what our king wants. And so... If you're asking yourself the question, how good is the good news? Look at the king that you have. Now, the immature mindset of the king is, oh, I got to, you know, I look at the New Testament scriptures, I got to worship God on Sunday. I'd rather be out fishing this morning, or I'd rather be out 
walking. It's beautiful, sunny morning. It's warm for the winter now, and I'd rather be doing it. And, you know, I'm a Christian. I got to do this. That's not good news to the world hearing about good news. I cannot do this. I cannot do that. I have to do this. I have to do that. You sound like a slave that don't want to be indentured. You don't sound like someone who voluntarily gave your life up to the one who gave him for yours. But if you see the good news, everything changes. The attitude changes. Every aspect of your life when looking at the good news is, wow, this is the king that I have? That's how good the good news is. And furthermore, look at what is in the kingdom. The kind of people that we're talking about. We read in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28 that it is neither male nor female, uh, Greek, uh, Jew nor Greek, um, slave or, or a free man. We're all one in Christ. And if you add the modern uh, race issue beyond Jew and Gentile, I mean, if we expand upon it, there's red and yellow, black and white, right? In the kingdom of our Lord, you take people who are rich and poor and put them in one body. You take people who are happy and people who are angry, naturally speaking, put them together. People who are introverted and extroverted, and they're one. People who are right-minded and left-minded, left-brained, if you will. You got the logic ones and you got the ones that, woo, (laughs) out there. I don't want to look, Vince. (laughs) Vince, you're not here. Vince is at the jail preaching this morning. (laughs) I was thinking of Vince because he is very, very, very (laughs) right-brained. And sometimes going, Vince, you're here. There you are, Vince. Yes. (laughs) I thought you were at the jail. I should know better. You're here this morning. But I was just thinking, we have different kinds of people. When we're in Christ, we're all one. You take the young and the old. And in the world, there's a generation gap. But not in Christ Jesus. Oh, well, from a fleshly standpoint, there may still be a thing because we've still got growing to do, maturing to do. But in Christ, it doesn't exist. If we're maturing him and growing in him, those things go away with. We're told in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14 that this middle wall of division that separates the Jews and Gentiles is that same middle wall of division spiritually that breaks down every barrier in Christ Jesus and bans every person on the planet in Christ Jesus as one kingdom. What kind of gospel does that? What kind of good news shares that you can be someone on the fringe? If you look at it from a first century standpoint, you can take the person with leprosy that according to the Jew would be outside the city walls, outside the fellowship of his own brethren, but in Christ Jesus, the leper is brought in. You take the person who is unclean because he had touched someone who is dead, Or a woman who's unclean because she's a woman and has various uh, circumstances resulting in uncleanness. And in Christ Jesus, you're cleaned. Nothing can do that except the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And no message can give this except for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's good news. So when people are asking you how good is the good news, you can tell them, Here's what God has done through his son that gives you and I life. And that gives it to us abundantly. And he takes down all these barriers. And he takes his enemies and brings them into his kingdom. What kind of kingdom gives that message? 
but the gospel does. And also, we see this transformation. In Ephesians chapter 4, remember we're reading verse 11 about how um, he gave gifts to men. Here's Jesus conquering death and taking the spoils of, as a victor, giving it to his kingdom, his church, as apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers, so on and so forth. And he does it for the building up of the body. And I want to read verse 17 following in Ephesians chapter 4. Read with me in, in this text. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 17. It says over here in the text, <coughs> excuse me, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Think of all those infirmities. Who being past feeling, having given themselves over, over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. That's the message that was given without Jesus Christ. But when the gospel is presented, he says, you have not so learned Christ. The message that you learned is very different. The gospel, the good news, taught you something else. And so he says, again in verse 20, you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you've heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness that's what the gospel presents the gospel gives you a mindset and we see that mindset from the beginning Acts chapter 2 verse 38 we're told right repent be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And what? After he says this is done for the remission of sins, what do you receive? You receive the Holy Spirit. That's God's gift. And what the Holy Spirit does, he works in you to provide a transformation. And that's what you see in Scripture. We just read out of Romans chapter 8. Just read that text again. That's the work that we see. And so we go from a person who goes from hate to love. And I don't know of anyone... Who can say, well, I was always loving. I mean, from a fleshly standpoint, the closest person that I know that is the most loving person, and I know my life is limited. I know I don't see 5.5 billion people on the planet. But Caroline's pretty close. She thinks she's perfect. <laughs> Just ask her Bible class teachers. <laughs> but, and while she does do things that are wrong, she is as sweet as they come. I love it. This morning, McKenna... I forgot what McKenna, but McKenna wanted Carolyn to eat with her, and Carolyn just picks her arm around her. You want me to eat with you? And just walks her on. And I'm sweet, sweet, sweet. But even McKenna has hatred in her. Purest little thing that I know on earth, but she's not pure. And as sweet as she is, she's going to learn true divine love through the gospel. You go from fear. From this old kingdom where Satan is our, our king and ruler to peace and confidence. To go from envy, wishing I had everything that person had, that envy and jealousy, to being content in Christ Jesus. And that's the thing that we were learning, right, this morning in our study in Exodus. 
that when you learn to put your trust in the Lord, you become content. That's what happens in this kingdom. You go from anxiety, being anxious about everything, to anxious for nothing. What kingdom can you go into that has that offering? What message gives you this kind of news except for the news of Jesus? That's the good news. Nothing that I know of has anything better than that. And of course, no other news can assure us the way the good news can. And we're told in Romans chapter 8, in verse 38, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, how good is the good news? <laughs> it just doesn't get better than that. When you have doubt, that's unbelief. Unbelief in the one who promised salvation to all who call upon his name. That was Romans chapter 10, verse 14 following. Actually, verse 13 following. The one who said, I gave you my son. He died for your sins. And if you have trespassed against him, he is faithful and just to forgive you. You call upon him, confessing your guilt. And he's there. He has the power, the authority to forgive. What king does that except for the king of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ? That's how good the good news is. Now, the reason why I'm sharing this with you, brethren, is because we ourselves have been given not only the authority, but the responsibility to share good news. And either we're going to look at it from, oh, I have to do this, it's my duty to do this, or the news is so good I cannot help but share it. What a huge difference. And when I told you last year the cogs are beginning to turn and we're getting out of these pews and getting into our community, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, the fruit's coming. We are seeing the fruit in the jails. We can see the fruit in our community just as easily. The door is open. The harvest is ready and ripe. It's a matter of God's children seeing just how good the news is to share it with the world that is living without hope. To share it with the world that is living as bond servants to sin. Now, I'm going to close with this, and I, I've never done this before. Excuse me, visitors, if you're not used to anything like this. The church knows here that I'll sometimes do things that is different. But this is the next thing I'm going to show you, and I'm going to have Dennis work on the audio because the audio is not very well. The truth that is in this sermon comes from a Baptist preacher from 1976. His name is S.M. Lockridge. And in three minutes, he nails the gospel. And that's why I want to share it with you. Because what he's showing is how good the king that brings forth salvation is. And when you can take these words to heart, brethren, don't keep it to yourself. You share it. That's how good the good news is. If you have tasted what is so good, you'll share it with others. I want you to listen to this and we'll have some closing comments after this. The Bible says, my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king 
king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know it. My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the largest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent, and he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your hands. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Tyler couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! That's my thing. That's my king. That's my king. That's good news. And I'm telling you right now, there's souls lost needing this king. Brethren, our Savior came into this world and has given us a gift greater than any gift has ever been given. If you cannot see all the adjectives, all the descriptions of how great the gospel is, how great our king is, you need some more growing to do. When you can see it, you cannot help but share it. Cannot. 
visitors, I want you to know if you have not entered into this kingdom, this is why we have an invitation at the end of every sermon because we want you to be saved from Satan's grip on your life. We want Jesus' kingship to lord over your life as he does over ours. Is this the king that you want? Because that's the king that I have. And I'm proud of this king. And I'm ready to live for him and to die for him. And we're getting to the part in our country where it becomes a real thing to say that you're willing to die for your king. Because he's given us every aspect of eternal life. Now if you want it to be added to his kingdom, our sovereign Lord says, he who believes and is baptized. In other words, you believe that he is the Christ who John the Baptist was asking about. He is the Christ who died and rose again on that third day to wash your sins away. And for your sins to be washed away, you need to die to the old man of sin, the old man with his old king. When you rise to walk in newness of life by way of baptism, he blesses you. He cleanses you and provides you a new robe as a new citizen. You're not clothed with him and his righteousness. And if you need to return to him, that you may be the kind of faithful citizen in the kingdom that goes out and declares what God has done for you. What a great opportunity right now. We can be praying for you. Or you can be added as Joshua was added this morning. At 315, if I'm not mistaken, in the cold, wintry creek here in Williamson County. That's the power of the gospel. That's how good the gospel is. And you can be added as well right now. Let's together we stand and sing.